and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends Connor Allen, Sharp Clark to put a bow on our off-season content, the last of the divisional previews, the essentially hay is in the barn, they would say at this point. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Clark, I'll start with you, buddy. How are we doing? <laughs> You're not good. You're not good. Not You're good. not ready. Yeah. <clears throat> not he's, ready. He's not. He's so ready that he's not ready. Like he's ready for the show to start, the season <laughs> to start, but not the show to start. Didn't uh, have his uh, mic plugged in? I mean, is this his first episode or what? Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm so I'm not ready for the podcast. No, I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> the steak is cooked. The, the cutlery is on the table, and, and we just need to see some football at this point. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. Connor, how are we doing, buddy? Good. Uh, I had to hang up the Demarius Thomas jersey uh, prior like to the it. AFC West episode. It's been—I mean—he's easily my favorite player uh, ever. So I had to, you know, get him up there and rest in peace, brother. So you know, it's uh, no better episode to get him up there today. Not sure I'll be super bullish on the Broncos, but uh, you know, is what it is at this point. Yeah, we're repping uh, the AFC West strong behind us. We have a little bit of. Uh... You know, Broncos, I got a little bit of Bo Jackson back in the day and the Raiders behind me. we got Patrick Mahomes hanging out in the background for Clark. So uh, sorry to the uh, Chargers fans, uh, one Charger fan uh, that I know of. Uh, we're not representing the Chargers very well today, but we'll, 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 we're we'll going to represent, gonna represent them strong here in the show. So uh, again, we are, this is the end of the off-season content, but the in-season content it turns up the heat. We are going to have two episodes of Move the Line each week in season. The three of us will be here every Wednesday at 4 Eastern, talking sides and totals as we typically do. Connor and I will be joined by a guest. Uh, news on that very, very shortly. On the prop side, our prop drop show will be uh, on Fridays uh, in the afternoon as well. So subscribe on YouTube, subscribe in podcast form so you don't miss a show. On the YouTube side, it is 4 for 4 bets. Uh, if you're hanging out with us today, jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite look in the AFC West is. Well, we're excited to really start to unpack actual football games, actual in-game props that we can turn around and bet on here as we get closer here. We're, again, uh, a week away at this point. So really, really excited. And if you have been dragging your toes for some reason this offseason, you decided, hey, look, Clark continues to fire off all these e plus EV offseason futures, which he is on the right side of the number um, in almost every single of his offseason bets so far. Uh, Connor and I have been pumping out stuff as well. You decided, hey, I wanted to pause and wait because I want to get closer to the season. We are here, folks. It is time to take action. Get the betting sub at 444. You can head over to 444.com slash plans. It uh, gets you access to everything on the site. If for some reason you have your fantasy draft this weekend coming up and you haven't done so, the betting sub is going to help you get all of that, rankings, articles, anything that you possibly need, and then gets you into our Discord. You can ask fantasy questions, and that's also where all of our bets are pushed through as well. It's the key place to be in season. We have a couple of partners, uh, BetMGM, VividPix, all that information is in the show notes. If you want to get access to it for cheaper, um, and you haven't been able to take advantage of BetMGM and sign up, you can get a betting sub for 10 bucks if you go ahead and take the deal from BetMGM. So uh, get in there, guys. Again, uh, if you've been a procrastinator, now is the time to jump in and get action and take advantage of it. So um, again, all that deep into the show notes. AFC West, last one. If you want to find any of the other previous ones, again, you can find that on YouTube. You can find that in podcast form. Clark and I both have written divisional previews up on the site that are up there, including best bets. Uh, those are free, free content over on 444.com, so go ahead and check that out. But we're going to jump into the final division here in the AFC West. They, From a schedule standpoint, 
face the AFC East and NFC North. And they're going to rotate through the AFC North, uh, AFC South, and NFC East for their unique three opponents. We will start with our defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. They are 6-1, to one, basically everywhere to win the Super Bowl, to win the AFC and go back to the Super Bowl again, plus 350 available on both FanDuel and Caesars. They are minus 165 on DraftKings to win the division. That's the best number currently in market. Uh, and their win total of 11.5 is juiced slightly to the over. Now look, we were here last year. They're not going to be the same without Tyreek Hill. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is great, but look at this receiving core. Uh, Travis Kelsey, year older, didn't look great last year. Defense really relying on a bunch of young guys. This is going to be tough. We took a pretty big L. I know I'll speak for Connor and I. I'm going to put Clark in that boat, but you know we weren't necessarily off on the Chiefs, but we thought some of these other teams in the division were ascending and the conference were ascending, and we thought maybe there's a chance that we're going to have a little bit of a buyback on the Chiefs. And again, they go out and just win the Super Bowl. Uh, Clark, I'll let you get started with the Chiefs. Yeah, don't put me in that category. I had Chiefs to win the Super Bowl ten to one, and Mahomes MVP nine to one. So it was a good, good year for me. I I think the Chiefs are finally getting the credit they deserve. I mean, it like it took them uh, last year. Everyone was finding reasons to doubt them with the with the departure of Terry Kill. But bottom line is, when you have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and a strong offensive line, especially with Travis Kelsey, you can beat anybody on any given day. And so at their best, you know, in the playoffs, when the chips are on the table, they elevate their game. Patrick Mahomes has that Michael Jordan-esque desire to win, where the only thing that matters is winning. But what that can do is take some of the edge off in the regular season when the games maybe aren't as urgently important, right? You know, the Chiefs know they can go 12 and 5, 13 and 4, maybe even 11 and 6, and still make a solid playoff run. All that matters is they win when it counts. You see this in other sports with teams like the Warriors that, you know, when they made the playoffs again and again, like it's a long season. Um, and the Chiefs have probably the worst uh, defense they've had if, if Chris Jones doesn't show up that they've had since Mahomes has been quarterback, maybe since year one. Um, Chris Jones, there's no progress on that talk. And so it doesn't look like he'll be back week one. Who knows if he'll be back week eight. Uh, Charles O'Many, he was uh, suspended for the first six games. Legereus Sneed is questionable for week one. These are key components of a defense that isn't that great to begin with so the pressure is going to be on the offense and he's going to be working in new receivers uh you know juju's gone some you know rookie rashi rice second year sky Moore didn't really do much as a, as a rookie Kadarius tony who knows how you know how healthy he is and how many snaps he'll play if something happens to kelsey who's 33 no matter how good patrick mahomes is it's gonna be a battle um and you know patrick mahomes can win any battle but this just is not an easy favorable you know starting out um situation for him and then down the stretch the chiefs face you know a pretty tough schedule of traveling they got to go up to europe and place my play miami and germany they come back and they, they play a lot of teams with extra rest um you know for the other team so i think there's a lot of things that are, are kind of stumbling blocks for the chiefs this year um and yet their odds are probably higher than they've ever been to win the super bowl win the division etc um so i think i think the odds are a little bit uh optimistic I never want to doubt the Chiefs or bet against them outright because of you know how good Patrick Mahomes is, but um, definitely not looking to get involved at any of the market prices. Yeah, some churn at tackle on both ends. Uh, and you knew, kind of did the same thing that we were doing last year, like just looking at this receiving core and like, hey, there's just there's a lot of questions. At the same time, we have, again, Patrick Mahomes. We have Andy Reid. That has been a very strong recipe, even uh, preceding Mahomes, like just – 
Reed in Kansas City has just been nothing but producing, you know, nine, ten wins, uh, regardless of what they had going on there. You make some great points in terms of the defense. We've seen some like when they make that type of like step up defensively, and there aren't necessarily the pieces there that make sense. We do see some regression there. There's definitely some questions in week one, obviously, without Amenahu, without Jones at this point, uh, Sneed being an issue in terms of. Um, you know, great year for him last year. He can move into the slot. He can play outside. You know, they use them a lot of times outside and in, in uh, man coverage too. So lots of week one questions. And I know you've been able to take advantage of that in the marketplace early, but uh, Connor, where are you at uh, for 2023 on the Chiefs? Yeah, I don't want to say that they don't have a high ceiling, but it almost seems like at this point, like at least in the regular season here, they didn't really do anything to make me feel better about their outlook this year than in previous seasons. And so when we're looking at this point, I think there's legitimate questions about the receiving core, as you mentioned. Like they basically said that Sky Moore is going to be starting uh, in basically every every package here with Richie James and uh, you know whatever it's Justin Watson and the other guys mixing in as like package players. So I just don't really know. I don't really have much room for optimism. And Travis Kelsey at some point has to hit the, the age cliff, and when the age cliff hits, it hits fast. Like it, it has to happen at some point, and so. Uh, I personally would not like laying, you know, we're looking at like minus 165, minus 170 to win the division, especially when I think there's a team in the Chargers that is very much live as long as they stay healthy. So for me, it's kind of just a stay away. Like, yeah, they're going to be good. I think there's better spots to fade them in season because obviously, you know, they figure it out. Sky Moore ends up being good. And, you know, we're looking at a completely different situation here offensively. Um, but personally, I just don't have a ton of faith in guys like MVS or at this point being anything more than just like a stretch outside guy. Well, cut down day, they, they're keeping seven receivers. Last couple of years, yeah. they've kept five. So they're telling us a little bit with their actions that they're unsure. Um, you know, and I don't know that any of those guys are cut worthy per se. They love Justin Watson, right? right? For whatever reason, they want that guy out there and you can block and you can run wind sprints and do whatever. But like we knew he was making a team. They're keeping seven, which I think is is interesting. So something will emerge there, you know, whether it's Kadarius Tony or maybe there is a Justin Ross revival that actually is legit and can take place in season. So like they have enough to throw the seven of them against the wall and see what happens. Now, again, it's a very different story. If Travis Kelsey falls off a cliff, I think that we're not really prepared to see what happens with them offensively and the stretch on Mahomes and Andy Reid would be significant significantly greater than anything else we've seen previously. So yeah, the defensive questions again, not even with the guys that are questions for week one, but like Kalen Saunders, big body up front gone. He's in new Orleans, Frank Clark gone, Carlos Dunlap gone, Warren Thornhill uh, safety gone. So they did a really good job at kind of incorporating some of those younger guys last year. Uh, Trent McDuffie played really well when he got back and healthy late in the season, Justin Reed as well in the state in, uh, in safety as well. So like, some of those guys took a little bit of their lumps last year, but they're going to have to like be in key roles this year. So there's a, it's just a thin, it's a thin group defensively. Uh, so you're probably going to see some shootouts. Uh, they have made it to the AFC championship game every year that this coach quarterback duo has been there five straight seasons. Um, again, Clark mentioned the schedule is very, very difficult. The unique three are are tough. Uh, you know, they get, they have to go to Kansas city or no, they have to go to, um, they are Kansas city. They have to go to Jacksonville. Um, they also get the Eagles and the Bengals. So that's a tough group too. Also some of that late season rest stuff isn't in their favor as well. Clark, I know you're kind of laying the groundwork for maybe not a fade, but is there anything in the marketplace currently that interests you in the chiefs? No, de definitely not fading. I mean, I, I actually like the way the receivers are set up because one thing that I saw on the field was when Tyreek Hill left, 
defenses didn't know who to focus on outside of Travis Kelsey. And even when they focused on Travis Kelsey, he got open, which is kind of weird, but um, it's like defenses don't have a focal point. The chiefs are very much a take what the defense gives. And when you've got, you know, five, six, seven guys that can play receiver in different ways, it's going to be really difficult for defenses to anticipate what they can do. Um, And I would never bet against Mahomes in in season long markets requiring him to lose when he's healthy. Um, So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hands off. It's a week to week thing for me. Like they're never going to be a great team against the spread because of how good they are and how big of the spreads they get, but how they don't really tend to put the pedal to the metal in the same way some other teams can do with the lead, especially during the regular season, especially early on. Um, so it's a week to week thing for me with Kansas city. Connor, you kind of spoke you just a little bit, not in love with any of the market prices currently. Well, glad we're we're doing a little run up to week one here. This is our last one, guys. We've we've, we've been doing this all season. Come on, let's go. The the, the more I think about it here, honestly, though, we're looking at different doesn't always mean bad. And so like for the receiving core, like they figured out, remember if we remember the game where they got, you know, wrecked by Tampa where their offensive line was like a bunch of nobodies, but they got to the Super Bowl with literally a terrible offensive line, you know, at that point. So like there's a lot of ways for them to figure things out and do different things. It just might be a little bit more rocky in season than I think we're used to, at least on the offensively from a passing game standpoint. So like, that's the downside there. And so, yeah, like I don't think that they're probably in play to win like 15 games this season, but I would be shocked if they won less than like nine or 10. So it's a pretty tight range of outcomes. I I think here. So I, I don't know. I, I think that it's kind of just a stay away from me. I, you know, I learned my lesson last year and, you know, we have, Right now, we have Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey. Um, and while that core is there, it's just enough to, to make me think they're still going to be in the mix. Chasing a juiced over on 11 and a half. I'm kind of with you guys. You know, the way that this conference is going to play out, plus 350 to win the conference is maybe my preferred way. But again, we're not forced about it. And it's not something I would do. And there's a lot of variance in the conference. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch, and it could be an interesting start in week one, so that should be a good one. We'll now shift to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they are 25-1 to 1 on DraftKings to win the Super Bowl. AFC price that you can get, 14 on MGM. 3-1 uh, to one to win the division on Caesars, and their win total at 9.5, slightly juiced to the over. They're around even as well uh, in terms of uh, bets to make the playoffs, which I think is interesting too. We all know how the season ended. There are really no really good way to spin the last couple hours that uh, Chargers fans had to watch there. Just kind of a historic collapse uh, in the playoffs there. And it's kind of the note. and It's kind of how we preface everything when we talk about the Chargers year in and year out is this like if they can stay healthy thing. And it just never seems to happen. And like talk about it being variance, but at some point there has to be some signal here that they cannot find a way to get their best players on the field for the entirety of the season or all at the same time. Aaron Schatz noted uh, Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsay, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are on the field for 20 snaps together last season. Uh, Justin Herbert basically played the entire season with a fractured rib. That happened in week two. And defensively, it was almost the same. Uh, big free agent signings, J.C. Jackson, uh, Austin Jackson, um, Austin Johnson up front. Massive disappointments, and then they got hurt. Um, Joey Bosa hurt early, came back in the playoffs, wasn't the same. Um, again, like, so there's always optimistic on paper for the Chargers, and it just never seems to play out that way. It's hard not to love the roster now because there's not a lot of injuries currently. So they seem to have survived the preseason, Connor. Uh, I'll let you get started with the Chargers. 
I don't want to sound like a, a Bitcoin bro, but I mean, buy the MF and dip. You know, this is this is the time here. You know, this is this is the time to take advantage of it. I mean, I bet them twenty five to one to win the Super Bowl. I think that they're very much live to win the division because if they stay healthy, they are just in a really good spot overall. Uh, and we're looking at. I mean, they won ten games last year despite everything that you mentioned, all the injuries, the offense playing a different kind of offense. I mean, just. I don't necessarily, in hindsight, blame Joe Lombardi for necessarily the offense because, I mean, they had, like, what, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams was not on the lineup. Like, what, do you, like, what are you really going to do? You're going to go, like, bombs away with Keenan Allen? I mean, he's that's just not where he wins. So you're looking at an offense now, though, that I think that is Quinn Johnson, a healthy Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, like a couple more deep options here. I think that uh, Justin Herbert's average depth of target is going to rise dramatically. They're going to push the ball downfield. Also looking at Kellen Moore was top six in – plays per game for each of the last four seasons, top 10 and no huddle rate. I think you're going to see a lot of pace, a lot of downfield attack, and then maybe, maybe more running, maybe the same amount of passing. I mean, they were seventh in pass rate last year, I believe. So it's not like that can go up dramatically, but I think that we're looking at probably a little bit more aggressive play calling in terms of downfield shots offensively. And for me with a guy like Justin Herbert, who is an absolute hose of an arm, like that just is super exciting. So I think when you combine all of those factors, you're looking at an offense that I think could legitimately be the best in the league if everything pans out right. And then a defense that, again, could also be among the best in the league. So I am I think the division discount is interesting too because obviously you have against the Chiefs, but I'm not quite as high on the, on the Broncos or Raiders this year. So I think that in this spot here, you're getting like plus 310 on points by right now, plus 300 at other spots. Uh, I think it could be worth a look. I think that was way too easy on Joe Lombardi personally. Um I do blame Joe Lombardi for I always when I think about the Chargers, I think I've talked about this before. I always think of the image of the Bugatti parked next to the mobile home. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you have Justin Herbert, right? And like when you look at all the underlying metrics, you know, his big time throw rates, his turnover worthy play rate, like he it's this perfect combination of like accuracy, ability to force the ball down the field accurately. Um, and you're just using him to throw consistently to the high to the running backs at the highest rate in the league. Um, and at a very inefficient rate too, like success rate on dump offs and screens, Austin Eckler were poor, very, very poor um, and you know, predictable. So yeah, they had injuries and they made it a little bit harder, but like you're not even letting him try it. Um, and he was doing it successfully when you would let him do it. So I, I kind of agree. The Kellen Moore thing's very exciting. You know, adding Quentin Johnston, still having Josh Palmer, I think is interesting. And not a lot of speed. I think the Quentin Johnston speed elements, you know, yak element, I think is a nice signing for them. They can keep big Mike healthy. If Keenan can, Keenan surprised me. It looked like he was falling off. And then when he was in there last year, it was really, really good. Offensive line is fantastic. If they can stay healthy, uh, Clark, I know you're excited to start talking about the chargers. Yeah. I think the discourse around Joe Lombardi is a little oversimplistic and scapegoaty. I think Justin Herbert deserves some of the blame as well. And the thing is, you know, when Patrick Mahomes is, is in a in a game and the game plan's not working. He tells his offense coordinator, "This isn't working. We need to switch this up." You know, during the during the week, they're in communication where it's a back and forth. Like, what are you seeing out there? I'm seeing this. We need to do this differently. And you know, two years into the Joe Lombardi experience, Justin Herbert was doing the same stuff. At some point, he has to take ownership and say, "I'm the quarterback. I'm the one out there seeing the defenses. We need to do this differently." Um, and I don't know if it's a lack of assertiveness or if Joe Lombardi was just too controlling or if Justin Herbert just didn't see it. But I think there's an element of quarterback play that goes beyond what you see on the field. On the field, Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback, no doubt, one of the best in the league. Um, but what I want to see is him take more control and ownership over the offense. Now, I I think there's optimism here because Kellen Moore 
you know, saying all the right things. Like it seems like their partnership is working out really well. It seems like they're really on the same page. It's also possible that Kellen Moore won't hamstring Justin Herbert the way that Joe Lombardi did. So Herbert won't need to be as assertive and controlling over the offense. There's, there's multiple avenues here to where this offense takes a massive step forward. But what I want to see from Herbert is that assertiveness, that aggression, that sort of like take over the field dynamic that Patrick Mahomes has. We haven't seen that from Herbert yet. And I want to, uh, if he can do that and the offensive line stays healthy, you know, they've got the receivers, they've got the offensive line, they've, they've got the play calling the defense, you know, maybe average. I don't know. Like if they can stay healthy, it might be better than average. If they get banged up again, they might be below average, but really once you have an offense of the caliber that the Chargers can be, you can compete in the AFC, even if you have an average defense. We've seen that from the Chiefs year after year. So I'm very optimistic that there are multiple avenues for this team to take a massive step forward. I think they're being treated as a step below the elites in the AFC. They're being treated on par with like the Jaguars, when I think they should be treated on par with like the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs, you know, maybe one step, like half step behind them. Uh, but right now they're being treated as a full step behind them. And I don't, I don't think that's justified. I think that's based on an overreaction to what we saw last year, which was a team featuring cluster injuries at offensive line and receiver two two places where cluster injuries have compounding impact and really, really, um, you know, kill the way an offense runs. So I'm very optimistic. I'm excited. Uh, you know, people have been asking me like, Who, who's your this year's Jags, right? Cause last year Jags were my big flag plant team and, I don't feel comfortable. I don't think that there's a team uh, being priced in the range that the Jaguars were last year. That's going to be, you know, really good playoff caliber team. Uh, but I do think the Chargers are being materially underpriced in the market. And so that's, you know, the closest thing we're going to get. I like it. I'm, I'm also interested to see the Kellen Moore stuff Connor highlighted. Like, I think we're going to see more motion. We'll see more pace. We'll see all those things I think can add a different element. And I think even Kellen Moore, as he comes into his own, like calling plays and running an offense kind of under the thumb of an offensive minded head coach, I think it's very different than calling plays and, and doing things under the umbrella of a defensive minded head coach and Brandon Staley. So I think there's going to be more freedom for Kellen Moore even to kind of lean into, you know, his own as he kind of develops as a play caller. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. I would just love to see this team, this poor team just survive a little bit, just to give them a shot, like just see if we can reach any type of ceiling outcome just by, by being healthy. Cause then I, I think you're right. I think you make a good point there, Clark, like, there does come a point where you got to run the plays that are called, but at the same time, like you have to be aggressive yourself to take the shots down the field. Or if you're not running the schemes to be able to do so, you have to go to the sideline or you have to talk about that on Monday to say, Hey, we need, to, this is what I think we can do a little bit better. We need to be a little bit more aggressive. And I, I know that Austin Eckler is a talented performer on the ground and through the air, but like you got to be able to stretch the field and, you know, they just had way too many three and outs for a team that like has that type of level of, of quality on the offensive side of the ball. And we know that there's just kind of a trickle down effect that adds a strain on the defensive side of the ball to get back out there. And again, they're thin and underperforming. I have questions with what's going on there. We need JC Jackson to stay healthy and kind of be the guy that they thought they were getting when they brought him in from new England, because that was not who they had at all last year before he went down. He was kind of a disaster um, they had a couple of other turnovers. You know, Bryce Callahan, really strong in the slot. They moved on from him. Nasir Adderley was really young safety, kind of retired out of nowhere. Um, they didn't do much at all in the draft to address anything in the secondary. They were kind of looking for guys to slide in um, in terms of guys that were already in the roster. You know, Derwin James is awesome. He's just another guy that never really plays 15, 16 games in the season. He's often hurt. Um, Jasir Taylor, like this a poor kid like there's a 
pretty straight line causation situation when that kid entered the game against Jacksonville and when things went off the rails, um, you know, when Mike Davis got hurt there. So he's in as like a starting every down corner this year. So um, things get a little bit easier in the back half if Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are playing and being those types of guys. So I think that there's definitely a path for this defense being above average still if they stay healthy. But that's kind of the caveat for the entire handicap of the team is what can we see ceiling-wise if they stay healthy. So, um, Connor, you're interested in, in division prices here? Yeah, division prices, Super Bowl too. And I think Clark brought up a good point. When you're comparing a team like the Chargers to the team that they're similarly priced around, I think they're materially better just top to bottom than a team like the Jags and even the Dolphins, uh, you know, pretty much fully there. And then you have teams even above them. The Lions, the Ravens, the Jets, the Cowboys, the Bengals. I mean, I think that they're very much in play with all of those teams relative to total roster composition and like talented players and what we can expect from them this year. Yet they're being priced uh, the lowest among all those like by far in the Super Bowl market. So obviously there are other factors, schedule, you know, division, stuff like that. But uh, I mean, relatively, though, if you want to bet on a good team, I think that this is a pretty solid look here. And then the last point that I'll add on the, the Joe Lombardi, Kellen Moore discourse is that. It's just I just think it's really really difficult when you to throw down field when you have Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, like guys just running like guys who are just nobodies running routes. Keenan Allen is not a, a target earner downfield. Like you know, it, it it just makes it a little bit more t- difficult. Now I think there's definitely some blame in terms of the routes that he's having them run, and I think that to Clark's point, he he mentioned like oh well he has to take you know control of that offense. I think it's a little bit tougher to be like hey, we need to actually do entirely the opposite of every route we're running. You know, like we can't be just running slants and dump offs to Austin Eckler. He probably should have said that, and maybe he did. We don't know. But uh, I just think it makes it a little more difficult than being like, hey, we need to do something different, you know. So that was the only thing that I would, you know, push back on a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they just – and then, again, I think that probably is also Herbert in that to Clark's point. It's like they just – like failed to throw the ball past the chains on first down almost ever. It was just not part of their like dead last in the league in like taking shots on first down beyond 10 yards. Like that's, that's wild when you have someone like Herbert's um, on the roster. Clark, I know you got down early. Is there anything currently out there price wise that you would advise people getting in on the chargers? Yeah, I'm with 25 to one Super Bowl. I'm with, uh, I don't know what the price you can get on Herbert for MVP now is. If you can get 12 to 1 or better, I think that's good. And then over nine and a half wins at minus 120 on DraftKings. Like, yes, their schedule looks to be tougher, but they did win 10 games last year and they lost the last game, a meaningless game they didn't need to win. Um, so they won, you know, 10 or 11 last year and they dealt with so many injuries, so many bad situations. So to project them to, you know, get worse is, is I think, a little bit shocking. Um, I really, really like uh the price at minus 120 because it you know if you're betting the division you're also kind of betting against the chiefs and that's always a squeamish bet (laughs) it's like anytime you're betting on the chiefs to lose games outright um i think it's you know it it always depends on the price right and i did bet the division but um i think i prefer just relying on the chargers to be good and and the last thing i'll say is when you're talking about season win totals um and you're kind of on the edge like numbers wise they're having an elite quarterback, an elite playmaking quarterback who has the traits that Justin Herbert has. He's incredible at evading sacks, incredible on third down. These are the types of skills that lead to a higher win rate in those close games. So if you project them to play a lot of close games and a lot of tough games, they're the type of team that I want to be backing in those games. And so, so getting the win total at nine and a half, I think is a way to kind of tap in. If you think Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback. 
I like that. Um, they've shown us over the years they can go anywhere and win. They've won in Kansas City multiple times. This year's matchup in Kansas City is a little trickier. They got kind of hosed from a rest standpoint. Um, they play they play Dallas, which is one of their unique three, which is a tough one. Um, they play, I think they play uh, Cowboys on Monday night, or uh, and then the Chiefs are coming off of a Thursday night game, so they have short rest, and then the Chiefs have a mini buy. So it's kind of a tough little spot schedule wise for them. But again, like. If they stay healthy, um, they could really beat anyone here. So um, how many times have we say that? I, yeah, I mean, we we'll need a counter, Sal. Get the counter going. Yeah, it's some of the caveat for any of these teams, but it, I think this is a team we just never see it. We haven't seen it for this team. So uh, you know, hopefully this so, could be the year. So fun fact: uh, two years ago, I bet over nine wins. They got nine wins. Last year, I bet over ten wins. They got ten wins. This year, I bet over nine and a half wins. I'm gonna either win or lose on the Chargers finally this year. I'm just hoping it's a win. Get an outcome either way. All right, next the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are basically 45 everywhere to win the Super Bowl. Uh, 30 to win the AFC. That's on DraftKings and FanDuel. They are plus 650 on BetMGM to win the division, and their eight and a half win total slightly juiced to the under. I think all things considered, when we look at back on where we were doing this show last year, 2022, expectations, preseason hype, all the things going on. I think the Broncos, maybe that I can remember, were one of the biggest letdowns in history. Nathaniel Hackett was a like, – like, let's be honest. He was hired to bring over Aaron Rodgers, and it didn't happen. And it was just a disaster right away. And then they asked Russell Wilson to run an Aaron Rodgers offense, and he just – I don't know if young Russell Wilson was maybe more equipped to do so, but it wasn't really what he did in Seattle, and he really failed in a big, big way. Uh, Connor, I'm going to let you get started. you got a Broncos jersey behind you. Talk to me about the expectations this year. Sean Payton, is there anything left in the tank for Russell Wilson? Talk to me about the Broncos. We did a show a couple months ago, I think, and I mentioned that the Broncos had a little bit more upside uh, than the market was giving them credit for. I think since then, and since um, some preseason reports, and since I've you know been looking at the roster a little more, I'm not really into this. I mean, the reports that I've seen out of camp are that they look worse this preseason and in training camp than they did last year, which to me is impossible to fathom, but I guess that's where we are. Then we look at the preseason games. Russell Wilson had five drives. In those five drives, they scored 10 points, 3.2 yards per play. Um, Jerry Judy, already dealing with an injury. Tim Patrick, Torres Achilles. You have rookie Marvin Mims out there. Cortland Sutton, who I just think probably struggles to separate at this point in his career, just not really the alpha receiver that we had thought he could have been last year. So what are we going to get out of this team? I Offensively, I think that there's a very, very real chance that Jared Stidham sees some time this season um, because Sean Payton does not care at all about Russell Wilson. Like He has... Zero ties to him at this point outside of the monetary, you know, ties that the team has made to him. But they seem very ready to cut bait uh, in any way possible. Maybe not this season, but, you know, we'll see. They'll find a way to get rid of him. So for me, I think that the floor here for this offense is really low uh, in a lot of ways. Now, I think th this is the issue, though, is that like Jared Stidham, I think, could come in and be reasonably better than Russell Wilson, if that's possible, considering how he played last year. Like, I don't know. The more that I hear, maybe if I see something different, it can make sense. But I'm really just struggling to see a way that this offense is good. Now, the defense still has plenty of good enough players, I think, to keep them afloat. So, like, they're not going to be the worst team in the league, uh, but they could be pretty close if their offense plays as bad as they did last year, which, again, is, like, truly impossible to imagine. I think I had bet the over on their point total last year on the season, and they finished with the least amount of points in the league. Lower than the Zach Wilson Jets. I mean, you know how impossibly hard that is? So, yeah, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe last year was clouding my bias a little bit, but I really think that everything we've heard and everything that we can project to so like, unless Sean Payton shows something immediately different and they have some way different like outcome that we've seen at all in the preseason, like this team is going to be in rough shape. So last year was the, the Broncos or just a quarterback away. Uh, maybe they're still just a quarterback away, but Clark, I don't know if you heard that. Connor is worried about fading the Broncos because he's worried about them being better with a possible <laughs> Jared Stidham month or two starting. Wild scene in Denver. Uh, where are you at on the Broncos? I mean, I'm not too far off. <laughs> um, you know, last year I faded the Giants. Uh, and a lot of the reason was because I'd seen enough out of Daniel Jones to think, you know, this guy can't hack it. Um, and I was embarrassingly wrong. Um, and, and I think sometimes we underestimate the impact that uh, a new coach and offensive coordinator can have on a quarterback. So I want to hesitate, and I'm not outright fading the Broncos for that reason, but my expectations are very low. I'm, I'm very, very pessimistic on this team. I was last year too, and I did bet it. Um, but this year, you know, Sean Payton has proven to be a good good head coach, you know, but how much of that was Drew Brees, right? I mean, he and he had Drew Brees for that many years, and they only won one Super Bowl, like, I'm not saying that only one Super Bowl is bad. It's tough to win any Super Bowls, but like he had a good team for most of those years. Uh, and so how much of that is Sean Payton? How much of that is roster building, great quarterback play, offensive line play, et cetera. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we talked about Nathaniel Hackett type offense, not really suiting Russell Wilson's skill set. I'm not convinced that, you know, Sean Payton's offense is a good fit for Russell Wilson's skill set. Like he's just not the type of, you know, accurate timing. Oh, he is accurate. But like the timing anticipation throws that Drew Brees was so good at, like understanding exactly what the defense was going to do post snap and then capitalizing on whatever hole opened up. Russell Wilson is, is a little bit of a slower processor, really wants to see those downfield routes develop and then throw that perfect moon ball downfield. Um, I'm not sure that that's what Sean Payton has in mind. So I think there could be a little bit of conflict there. Um, also, Jerry Judy, you know, looks like he's hurt. Tim Patrick's already gone. Like the, the Broncos suffered a ton of injuries last year and they're kind of right back on that track already, which isn't a great way to start. Defensive metrics tend to be, you know, unstable. So I'm not chalking them in to be a top defense again. Like maybe, you know, maybe they will be, they've got a good secondary. Uh, but I just think that there's more question marks than answers here. One thing that did encourage me if I'm rooting for the Broncos in the, in the preseason is Russell Wilson got moving a lot more like, he, he had some really nice scrambles where he made that quick decision to get out and running last year. He was kind of a statue and as a statue, he was absolutely terrible. So I think more mobility, you know, he seems to have lost some weight. I think some coaching, you know, benefits with Sean Payton, like there, there are avenues to improvement, but they're not the types of things that I, I would ever expect. It's just, there's room for it. Um, and I, I got to see it on the field before I believe it. And Joe Lombardi's here to, to help, uh, coordinate the offense in case you guys are pro pro Lombardi after our chargers segment. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I want to believe that Peyton's smart enough to evolve into say, look, we're, if we do the same thing, probably going to get the same results. I know. I don't know. I think Connor's got a point. And what he's saying is like, he doesn't care. He's almost okay. Cause his leash is so long. He got, he got the bag and he got years. So it's like, look, do we benefit from kind of crapping out? Like, can we out tank? you know, these like the Cardinals who are like really trying to go for it. And some of these other teams that are, I think have an option of bottoming, bottoming out a little bit easier to do so in the AFC considering the strength of the schedule, but like any optimism, any optimism in this team is baked into the market. They won five games last year. The win total is eight and a half. So like if you're optimistic, it's, we're already paying for it. It's already in there. So it is a little bit harder. I'm with you. Like 
The defense is fine. There's some good pieces in the secondary. I think a lot of pieces here too are tied to, you know, I don't want to overrate the coordinator, but like Everett was a guy that just continues to get a lot of steam and rightfully so they had really very limited pass rush, especially in the back half of the season. And again, like they lost the most games due to injury in the entire league. So that worked its way out on both sides of the ball, but outside the secondary, like they were dealing with some really dusty dudes up front to try to generate some pass rush. And, you know, they drafted like Drew Sanders, a kid from a linebacker who played at Alabama, um, you know, played at Arkansas, who's like a hybrid linebacker and edge. Like they want him to be a massive like difference maker in terms of pressure rate. You know, they're rolling back Vance Joseph, who to kind of do that is good for everyone involved. Good for, for Vance to be able to be like, yeah, I'll go back to the place and just send me away as the head coach a couple of years ago and I'll run the defense here. It's a little bit interesting, but Patrick Sertan is that guy. Um, you know, Justin Simmons is really good. They have some other young depth in the secondary that's good, but like, I don't know, up front, I think they're going to struggle to get pressure and that is a problem as well. They couldn't stop the run much last year as well. Injuries were part of that too. Offensive line, like problem. Injuries were a problem. Some of the guys that they, they added are better run blockers than they are pass blockers. And there's just vibes, even when you watch the preseason game against the Cardinals, who I think are going to have a really poor pass rush. We're just collapsing the pocket on Russ time and time again. And Russ's pressure to sack rate spiked drastically last year. I think part of that is what Clark's saying. Like he was kind of a statue. It wasn't really willing to be mobile, but it's also like I'm a little bit older and like that's not something that you see once it starts to slip. When you look at that metric, that typically can, tends to be sticky at later part of guys' career. So I'm worried that Russ just isn't willing to stand in there, step up and take a hit anymore. He's going to maybe try to run or just kind of collapse onto himself to not take the big hit. And that's just I mean, Garrett Bowles has not really been that guy anymore anyway he's coming off of a broken leg um you were kind of been regressing since he kind of peaked a couple years ago so there's just not a lot here to be super encouraged about so are we betting them currently in the market connor fading them in any way that we can get i mean i would lean under honestly on their win total but it's not a super strong lean because i think that their defense can wield them some wins kind of like last year i mean like you said they won five games last year i mean they, and they were like unbelievably bad offensively literally the worst team in offense in the league and they won five games so like I mean, they're probably going to be better than that just by natural, you know, whether when Jared Stidham takes over, they're definitely going to be better than that, you know? So <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a team I talked about it with the chiefs a little bit, like they're not a high floor team, but like, you know, six ish wins floor. And like, but maybe they cap out at nine wins, 10 wins if everything goes right. Um, but like, I just don't see it with them because I, I think that everything going right for them is that Russell Wilson is okay at this point. Not Russell Wilson being the, the Russ of old. Like, I just really don't even think that at this point, that's like, a hundredth percentile outcome. I don't even think that's even in like a meaty range of outcomes at this point. Clark, there's some winnable games early. Um, so we're going to get a taste to see if there's anything. And I think pretty easy to jump ship quickly. The meat of their schedule in season is, is pretty tough. Um, any interest in anything in the Broncos markets currently? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the, like try to time your entry angle. I know a lot of people do that, but I tend to think that like, you know, the market understands that, you know, maybe I'm naive, but Week one at home against the Raiders. Week two, I think, is at home against Washington, if I remember correctly. Um, so, you know, coming off the you know early early season games in the Mountain Air tend to be favorable for Denver, and and that's two teams that they can beat. So they could be riding high two and zero at that point. Um, 
that might be the time when I, you know, skepticism needs to kick in. But at the same time, if they look really good in those two games, like it could just be signal that they're going to be a better team, right? I mean, there's been enough change in this team that they could be better. So, so I'm not really just like waiting to see them go two and zero. The other thing is, if you want to fade the Broncos and they're bad and they lose one of those two games, then you you've probably missed your opportunity, right? Like, so if if you're down on the Broncos, then you should be betting it at current prices because you're under the market. Uh, I'm not, I'm implicitly fading them with the Chargers division bet and, and some of the pro Chargers bets that I laid out earlier. I think this is really a two team race for the division. So um, I saw someone, someone on my timeline had posted like the, uh, like a one, two, any order Chargers chiefs in the division, uh, which I thought was an interesting look. I think they had, they had to lay juice for it, but I still think that was an interesting look. Yeah. You're probably paying a pretty penny to lay that. But yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a two, two horse race. I lean under as well in the eight and a half. Uh, minus 114 on FanDuel still out there. Yeah, I mean, I just – I think part of it too is if they come out 2-0 and win those two games, it's they're kind of questionable teams. And we also have like that September-Denver narrative that is, you know, pretty strong. And, and, you know, I guess there's a large enough sample where you feel like there's something to, you know, that early thing. Because then looking again into the meat of it here, week five, the Jets, six, Kansas City, seven, Green Bay, eight, Kansas City – Buffalo, Minnesota, Cleveland, like that is a tough stretch. And I think that they're dogs in the majority of those games. So yeah, I'm uh, interested to see how Sean Payton evolves. And if the rust thing is just kind of where we're at in his career, but um, yeah, I mean, massive jump in terms of what we're expecting there in terms of the market numbers. All right. Raiders last one, last team, team 32. Uh, let's look at the prices on the Raiders 80 to win the Super Bowl. That's on DraftKings 65 to win the conference on DraftKings as well. To win the division, they are 20 to 1 and they're six and a half. Win total is slightly juiced to the under. Raiders thought they were contenders last year. They're coming off of a 10 and 7 season, made the playoffs, lost in the road to the Bengals. And then they went out and said, Hey, look, let's make some, some moves. Get Devontae Adams, bring in Chandler Jones. Uh, let's give the keys to Josh McDaniels because they kind of had a coaching situation with all the uh the Gruden stuff. And Look, it just hasn't didn't work. Um, the McDaniel stuff is rough. Uh, you just get these like the reports with like the NFLPA, like you know, surveys and people just basically coming out. And anyone that wants to take a shot um, that's had Josh McDaniels as a head coach doesn't seem to like it. He seems to try to bully teams into like the Patriots way, and that works when you're Bill Belichick. That doesn't seem to work. Uh, it didn't work in Denver for Brandon Marshall. Didn't work for Jay Cutler. Didn't seem to work for Derek Carr. Didn't work for Darren Waller. Um, he's bringing in his guys, some turnover there, uh, defensively, Jimmy Garoppolo in for Carr. Clark, I'll let you get started on the Raiders. Yeah, I think the Raiders were better last year than people think. Like that just in my metrics and my numbers, they, they graded out as a pretty good team. Not, not like a playoff team, but you know, they went to Kansas city and had a chance to knock them off in Kansas city. Like they blew a lot of games late I think they blew like a 20 point lead against the Cardinals. When oh, no, I got a nugget here for you. I got a nugget on this. They, let me find it here. It was insane. They had a, uh, they went one in four in the five games, which they had a double digit lead. The rest of the league went 84 and nine in those scenarios. So a win clip of 90.3% and somehow the Raiders went one in four. So tough, tough team. Exactly. Right. So when you look at, you know, Game to game metrics. I thought they were better than their record. Um, there's a big question mark about whether Jimmy Garoppolo is is a downgrade from Derek Carr, and I think a healthy Jimmy G is probably close to Derek Carr. Like, 
you know, yes, he's been in the Shanahan system with all those weapons that the 49ers have had over the years, but he's also been a very efficient quarterback. His EPA per play numbers, I think, are a third of every quarterback in the last four years. Um, and that's something, right? Like he's not, it's not like everything else is happening around him and he's just handing the ball off. Like he's making the throws. He can hang in the pocket. He can anticipate when the guys are getting open and he can throw to, throw to guys that get open. Um, we'll see how much that translates to a Raiders offense that isn't quite as good, isn't quite as well schemed, doesn't have quite as many weapons. But I do think he'll be okay as long as he stays healthy. Uh, if he gets hurt, Aiden O'Connell looks pretty good in the preseason. We'll, we'll have to see whether that translates to regular season play against starting defenders. But um, overall, it's like, you know, you got Max Crosby, you got Devontae Adams, you got Josh Jacobs, you got, you know, maybe Chandler Jones hasn't hasn't quite declined yet. It's a studs and scrubs roster. <laughs> Outside of that, there's a lot of holes, a lot of question marks. Um, they're very thin, which kind of creates uh, a, a big downside if, if one of those studs gets hurt or underperforms. So I also think that if if you're the Raiders and you're thinking about the future, like the idea of tanking has to be on the table. I, I don't I don't ever bet on the idea of teams tanking. I think there's not enough evidence to suggest that we can predict when it's going to happen. And sometimes when it's so obvious, it doesn't happen. Uh, but I, I just think that with the quarterbacks that are in the draft next year and no long-term plan at quarterback, I can't imagine Jimmy G's a long-term plan. And as, as good as Aiden O'Connell looked in the preseason, I can't imagine he's the reliable starter they want for the franchise quarterback. It just seems it just seems like the perfect year for the Raiders to just kind of mail it in. Um, whether or not that happens, I don't know. It's not a, it's not a bet I'm making, but it's just a sort of taking a step back at this team and being like, what are they doing? Where are they going? Uh, I, I just don't think there's many avenues for them to be competitive this year uh, at the higher levels. That said, I think they're a little underrated. Just kind of a week to week basis. While all those guys are healthy, they're gonna they're gonna play with some teams. They're gonna compete with some teams. They're gonna they're gonna fight Kansas City hard. They're gonna fight the Chargers hard. They always do. So. Uh, if, if their underdog numbers get to be a little inflated, like that might be a, a team that I'm willing to bet on. Yeah. You know what? They, like I couldn't agree more with the way that you summarized that. Like, I think that there's like the range of outcomes I wouldn't say is like vast because I don't see a ceiling outcome. Uh, but I do think that they can be in like that, like seven to eight win range, at, like the top of their outcome, which again would exceed their win total. I also could see a complete disaster bottoming, bottoming out, uh, competing for like you know the worst team in the in the conference and maybe overall um there's some room here Derek Carr was so bad in some key situations like he was okay early downs and they fed Devontae Adams but he was terrible in the second half of games and they were awful in the red zone there's some you know regression there and Jimmy G is it's weird it's like yeah he doesn't have the yak machines that he had in San Francisco but like he deserves credit for being able to do that a little bit like they, when he is upright He's accurate, puts the ball on guys and allows guys to get the yak. Now they don't have yak guys here. They have almost the opposite outside of Devontae Adams. Like, you know, Jacoby Myers is a below average yak guy. Uh, Hunter Renfro is going to catch and fall. Um, that's not how these like tight ends are built. It's like Austin Hooper, Michael Mayer, like those are not like catch and run guys. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic there, but uh, kind of let you get started in the Raiders here too. Yeah. I'm going to give you a scorching hot take here to wrap up the division preview series. What if uh, the reason that, None of these Patriots head coaches end up working out is because the Patriots way uh, was always fueled by Tom Brady and not Bill Belichick. And so all of the coaches were uh, basically kaput. Now I think Bill Belichick's a good coach. I'm just, you know, giving you a little bit of shit there. Are you statement? Yeah. Look at this. I, I had to go full galaxy brain here at the end. Also, I think the difference. So you know, circling back here, the difference between Jimmy G and Derek Carr is 
it's tough to evaluate like good versus bad of like what they do because they're just like so different. But I would say that Jimmy G just turns the ball over significantly less, which matters a bunch for winning games. And so if you're kind of able to keep them on schedule, not turn the ball over, like, yeah, you're probably not going to get the boom plays that Derek Carr was able to do from time to time, but like, you're also not turning the ball over nearly as frequently. So that puts them in a better spot here. Now I'm a little bit worried about their defense. Uh, I think you mentioned that they're really thin outside of a couple of studs. I almost compare them like the Rams junior here over here because we're looking at a team here where literally all of the starters, except for two of them on the defensive side were below average in PFF grades, literally every single one, except for uh, was it Max Crosby and Marcus Peters. And, you know, no, no one else was even like above average in like the grades and like, that's really bad, you know, like, so it's just going to be Max Crosby's defense, you know, like what, what are we going to see out here? So it's kind of, I mean, yeah. And this is what it's going to be like, kind of like the Rams, you know, it's just Aaron Donald and then everyone else. So I am, that's not something that I really want to bet on. Um, and I also not sure that it's something that I want to bet like overs on either, because I think that they're probably going to run the shit out of the ball a bunch. Probably going to see Jimmy G just, you know, control the game for the most part. So I don't know. They're kind of just a hands-off team for me. Any injuries, it could be wheels up for some overs, though, especially on other teams against them. Yeah, so I, I get the Rams thing. I'll push back. The the Rams have guys that just have not played football in the <laughs> NFL yet, um, and maybe yeah, they're going to be good. You know? Right? Yeah. So it's like the you know the you, the unknown, and maybe there's potential there. Like the Raiders are at least kicking like the tread on some of these guys that have been around a little bit. They've just completely revamped. Um, and bringing in a bunch of new starters, the guys that have at least played. But, yeah, I mean, Chandler Jones was awful. He had four and a half sacks, three in one game. Um, so, like, otherwise he was just, like, not a thing at all. And they gave him a ton of money. You know, they, you know, Tyree Wilson, they used an early pick to see if he could be the guy. And um, if those three guys can play and be difference makers, that can lighten the low in the back half. Um I don't know. They're going to ask Robert Spillane. I'm going to get real deep here uh, at linebacker to do like every down linebacker stuff. And I think that guy's like an early down tackle guy, but you're going to put that guy in coverage. That tends to be a pro is going to be a problem for them, which is they're going to ask to do. So there could be some like over the middle stuff, some like tight ends against the Raiders, maybe some spots that we start to look at in the prop market. Cause there's going to be some, some issues there at safety and uh, at linebacker. So yeah, they also have a really rough schedule, which makes it tough too. So I don't know. I just, it, we're just, just too many ifs here. Uh, under six and a half wins, you got to lay a little bit of juice for that too. It's tough for me. It's not really interested in it, but it would be my preferred way. Is there anything that you like, Clark, in terms of what's out there now for the Raiders? No, I, I, I'm not looking to, you know, try to predict the tank. Uh, if anything, I lean over, but <laughs> it's kind of a queasy bet to make. So uh, I think just, Again, supporting the Chargers as, as sort of a rest of the division fade um, is, is my way to go. Honestly, not really at this point. I'm just kind of looking ahead to, uh, to week one here. Um, you know, I think that uh, Clark, you played a week one bet, didn't you? Did you use Broncos Raiders? Was that what it was? Uh, you played yeah, a little yeah. plus six or something? Like that? Uh, plus five. Yeah. Plus Raiders five. Plus okay. five yeah. <clears throat> What's it at now? It's about there still four and a half something? Four, four and a half. I, I would still play four and a half. I don't think I'd touch four. It's, it's kind of a close one. Yeah, that's going to be a kind of shitty game, huh? <laughs> We're probably I mean, going to leave that off our week one preview. It's going to be an interesting <laughs> game. It's going to. Think? I think it's, it, to me, it's going to be interesting to see. Like we just talked about these two teams, it's going to just be interesting to see. Right now, they're somewhat at full strength. Like, what can that look like? What's the potential? Right, because that's probably the best version of them. Again, obviously, like when you're in season, you get more reps and like you can definitely grow because there's some some turnover and change. But from a health standpoint, 
Like we're going to get answers on, I think, some of the Denver stuff. What does the Sean Payton offense look like? What are they asking Russell Wilson to do? Um, can Jimmy G continue to maybe see if he can elevate a little bit of this talent? Like uh, the offensive line's a problem too. Like the interior of the offensive line is, is rough. But again, against Denver, who has very little pass rush, they could survive, right? So like that's why I think it's not a bad bet to be taking the points with Denver. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's It probably won't make the show for week one. Uh, you know, but we, you know, let Clark go a little bit longer on since it's already one of his bets. Yeah. I mean, I'm betting into the right Denver at home in week one narrative, which, you know, it's there, there's some statistical evidence for it, but ultimately like I tend not to bet those types of things. I tend to think that like, you know, they're getting smarter. The NFL teams are getting smarter. This is partly why home field has diminished in value over the years is I think they're getting better about travel, about all the sports science of like, think about how to best prepare the players for the games. And so I don't know exactly what the Raiders are going to do. If I was them, I'd go to Denver early, like whatever it is, get acclimated. We'll see. Um, But I just think the Broncos don't deserve to be laying more than a field goal against a team that's comparable to them in in talent. Like the, I got to see it, right? (laughs) Like the Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, they could just eat Russell Wilson's lunch. I mean, it didn't take much last year. So uh, I, I think anticipating the Broncos to kind of blow them out or, you know, win by a touchdown or more, you know, five, six more is really giving the Broncos immediate credit for being a lot better with Sean Payton, where I, I'm more like, let's kind of see how it goes first. All right. I, I agree with that. All right. 32 teams in the books. Uh, absolutely love it. I'm not letting you go without getting a Super Bowl prediction. Um, I know you put some money on these things. Um, you know, but again, like as you go through the process, maybe you've, you know, sharpened a little bit, have some thoughts. Um, but I will, uh, how do we want to do this? I'm going to do, well, I'm going to give it Clark. Give me your Super Bowl matchup for this year in Vegas. Um, 2023 Super Bowl. Right. Is. No, just kidding. All right. I'm, I'm going Buffalo Bills over the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, one, one chalky, one not so chalky. Um, well, not so I, chalky. They're like the fourth <laughs> team in the division. I love it. I love it. We're, I mean, you know, we've done this. You know, we're good on the on the Packers, but like not chalky is a, a light way to summarize that. <laughs> um, I think the path is there. You know, I I when I did my like projections, I rigged it so that the playoff path was like, uh, you know, <laughs> like Dallas and Philly play each other, and then San Francisco plays the winner of that, and so they they <laughs> they like avoid all the good teams until they get to the <laughs> NFC Championship. And the four seed ends up in them with, and they're the three seed. So they're playing at home in the NFC championship. Uh, Like, you you know, a lot has to go right, but, uh, but, but it's there. Like, I I believe in the upside of Jordan Love. I believe in the offensive line, the coaching, the the defensive talent, the way that they're going to hopefully play and play defense differently. Um, Another team that I got to see it, but I think that the, you know, we miss out on these types of uh, steps forward for young quarterbacks so frequently because we just can't imagine it, but it happens happens every year almost. Um, and then on the other side, like we think of quarterbacks as these static entities and be like, okay, well, Jordan Love is a downgrade from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were not good last year. So how could they possibly be better with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers? But there are other things that change. The offensive philosophy changes, the culture in the locker room changes. It's so many things evolve and they've got so many young playmakers that were rookies last year um, or rookies entering this year that I think uh, there are many ways that they can be much, much better around Jordan Love than they were around Aaron Rodgers last year. Um, and I think that their schedule is the type of schedule that if they are the team they can be, they could be that 13-win team heading into the playoffs. So that's my angle for the 
Packers, I don't think I need to make my angle for the Bills. I, I think that's pretty well, pretty clear. Bills winning that game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Spicy, spicy meatball. Connor, where are you at for uh Super Bowl matchup? I wanted to say the Patriots just to mess with you, but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the uh, the Chargers. Uh, we just talked about them, so I'm not going to throw anything else in there. And then my NFC pick is going to be the Cowboys. I think right now, just really underrated, especially given the odds, like should be a lot closer to Philly and San Fran. So I think that they're a clear tier ahead of basically everyone else in the NFC um, outside of Philly and San Fran uh, and are very much in competition. So uh yeah yeah of course i mean green bay is you know right up there with the bears you know the the rest of the strong nfc but no yeah so that, that's my super Bowl pick and i'm gonna have the uh the chargers beating the cowboys here in an in a, in a interesting game so that that's my pick i got to make sure that i have enough chargers exposure you know to head into the season here because i, I know i got a little bit early but i got to make sure that i got enough because i think after we're done with all the previews it kind of locked me in and i need to bet a little bit more on this Love it. Love it. I, uh, well, I think you guys are going to like what I did here because, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cherry picking a little bit off of each of you. I'm going to go back to the old school. This is like a, you know, an annual Chris Berman, uh, selection, you know, um, I'm going to go bills Cowboys. Um, I, I, am very much with Clark that I think that there, there were so many things when, you know, doing some of the research on the bills side that was like, and they were still a really good football team. And this is just not going to happen again. Um, and there's, I, I just like the improvements that they made there as well. I think you see um, that offense kind of gel. I think you see the you know, defense kind of improve with the new coordinator change there too, a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Dallas, I think, is really one of the three teams that are at the top in the NFC. Um, you Clark making a good case for that being a four-team uh, conversation. But uh, Dallas, I just, I think the upside offensively, I think is going to be great. I think the defense can be like difference-making, game-winning, best in the league. Um, I wish we could get better numbers and like plus 450 on Michael Parsons to be the defensive player of the year because I think he's going to be awesome this year. Um, I love pretty much everything about that roster. Uh, just again, we can get healthy Michael Parsons, healthy Tony Pollard throughout the entire season. I think the Cowboys are going to be a lot of fun. I don't know who wins that game, but uh, Cowboys Bills would be my Super Bowl selection. So sure you're picking off of uh, off of both you guys. So I think you guys like it a little bit. All right. In the books, guys, we will be back next week, week one games. Uh, remember to subscribe, YouTube, subscribe uh, to podcasts. We'll be here again Wednesday afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern, breaking down our favorite games in the week one slate, sides, totals. Uh, we'll probably touch a little bit on props. We're going to get heavy in, on props on Friday afternoon. Again, Connor, myself, and a um, season-long guest soon to be announced, so you don't want to miss that. Again, head over to 444.com slash plans, scoop the betting sub, get in Discord, get all the picks, stop dragging your feet. Now is the time to do so. Get it cheap, jump in the show notes and find the ways to do that for you. Uh, but we're excited to get back here and talk week one games. So for Connor and Clark, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>